So, what's the plan? Right. We take Pete's car, we drive over to Mum's, we go in, take care of Philip. I'm so sorry, Philip. Then we grab Mum, we go over to Liz's place, pull up, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. Why have we got to go to Liz's? Because we do. She dumped you. I have to know if she's all right. Why? Because I love her. I'm not staying there, though. Why not? If we hole up, I want to be somewhere familiar, I want to know where the exits are, and I want to be allowed to smoke. OK. Take Pete's car, go round Mum's, go in, deal with Philip... Sorry, Philip. Grab Mum, go to Liz's, pick her up, bring her back here, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. Perfect. No, 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 wait, we can't bring her back here. Why not? Well, it's not exactly safe, is it? Mm, yeah. The state of it. Where's safe? Where's familiar? Where can I smoke? Take calm, go to Mum's, kill Phil. Sorry. Grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Fear of God podcast, your favorite podcast, my favorite podcast. We discuss that intersection of faith and fear, dissecting what scares us in order to find what saves us. I am so glad you're here. I hope you are glad you're here. Pull up a stool, grab a pint. We're in for a treat today as we travel into part five of this series called Funny or Die, looking at horror comedies of the last several decades. With you right now is... One of your favorite co-hosts slash uh, funny Englishman, Nathan Rouse. Now, typically with me is Reed Lackey, but surprising for him, he he needed to go look up what the word exacerbate means. Uh, I say surprising because Reed, you know, we 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 kind of fancy ourselves a, a bit of wordsmiths around here at the Fear of God, and so I was a little surprised that he didn't know what exacerbate meant, but. You know, I mean, hey, we, we all have little vocabularistic blind spots. That's a good word, <laughs> vocabularistic um, blind spots. So, you know, this was just one of his. And, uh, you know, I hope he finds what he's looking for. In the meantime, guys, we are in the middle of one of our most amazing contests ever. 
maybe our only contest we've had other contests right have we i can't remember it doesn't matter because they all pale if they existed to what is going on right now yes that is correct we have a 100 dollar voodoo credit with someone out there's name on it and remember how you qualify for the contest that we're running right now is you leave a rating uh, of a certain star amount that star amount equates to your number of entries or number of points you also can write a review if you are like us or <laughs> fancy yourself a wordsmith you've got to screenshot those in itunes though and email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com um, so you can get points that way for a review you get five points for your ratings you get the amount of stars you assign to it uh, but you also get points uh, when you tag us on your social media feeds, when you post a public posting that has tagged us. So make that happen. Uh, win the contest. Win this $100 voodoo credit. Um, on top of that, we've got a couple of great prizes as well in, in the form of some Fear of God merchandise, which is amazing, by the inimitable Jacob Hunt at Jacob Hunt Comics found for purchase at tpublic.com. So that is just a little bit of business. And Reed, you're back. You you got a little red on you there, buddy, but you are back. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, what's going on there. I'm not quite sure either. I was just, uh, you know, I, I tell you. I've I don't been, know. You know, it happens. Every, everybody has been acting so weird today. Everything. I mean, I, I go my yeah. normal route. I, I'm, I'm, you know, make my, I'm a creature of habit, what it is. I, and, I do know that. Yes. And so. Put, uh, thi- put things in pockets. We'll attest to that. That's, yes. <laughs> Listen, I don't know if we've ever explained that to the podcast listeners. I don't know if we've ever referenced that on the podcast. That's a good but point. for good some point. other time. So, but yes, I'm a creature of habit, and and yeah, as I was just making my way through my regular routine, everybody is just you know acting so out of it, and some of them want to get real, you know, huggy and touchy feely and bitey, and I just yeah, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, it's you it's really be weird. Careful, it's a it's a weird world out there today, and you yeah, know, you don't want you don't want nobody biting you. No, no, yeah, I got I got nothing. Yeah, well, yeah. hey, we are in the middle of funny or die. It is yeah. a fun. Uh, series we're in covering comedy horrors of the uh, across the decades. Read, uh, um, we did Little Shop of Horrors, decades. we did Ghostbusters, we did Tucker and Dale versus Evil. We even you even suckered me <laughs> into covering Ernest Scared Stupid, and I don't hate you for it. I sure did. Oh, that is the most delightful sentence I think you said to me in a long time. That's well, great. you're welcome. I don't buddy. hate you for making me watch well, Ernest Scared Stupid. You know, That's right, great. right. No, I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, yes, it's 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 uh, it was a surprising turn of events. That's great. Oh, that's, that's yeah. awesome. I always I always like it when that happens. It it was just a little bit of a hysterical perspective, you know. We yeah. all need it. Yeah. Yeah. So funny or die, and also while you were gone looking up your vocabulary words, um, I did right. pitch the contest. Remember, that's pretty exciting. Oh, we got that great. contest going on. Yes, and we have several segments. Uh, you know, now in the you know we've we've now developed to where we have little segments throughout the show and if any listeners are curious and they say like hey I want to skip to this part or I want to bounce around or I want to you know I haven't heard this or I want to see how long this segment's going to be you can look in the feed or in the show notes and you'll see little timestamps that'll show you kind of where to go um, and speaking of timestamps what you watching <laughs> what you reading <laughs> what you listening to listening to yeah you know what's really what's really funny about that is i i 
you know, it's like I handed you to talk about the contest. Then you went to the timestamps. Then you went to watch your watch. I'm like, wow, okay, well, (laughs) yep, so much for that. Right on through. (laughs) (laughs) He did. He did not pick up what you were putting down, Nate Dog. Not at all. All right. So I've got a few real brief. I've got a what you're doing as well. So um, what what you do? What you doing? Um, So let I I did want you know let it. I, I, I can't. It's we're talking about a. Give me, give me <laughs> what? Those are, not, those are not sentences. None of them. <laughs> you're, just, you're stuttering like Job over That is just for you. Nathan was uncomfortable with the segment. <laughs> he was. Um, I'm looking up someone on IMDb and you're going to have to cut a little bit of snip, a little bit of this out. There it is. Nope. That's not it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I found it. No, I didn't. There. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. Um, no, no, no. All right. So going back, yes, let it not go unspoken because we are dealing with a, British comedy today that features oh my god I just looked your name up and then I forgot it <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Miss Penelope Wilton okay she is in Shaun of the Dead she plays Shaun's mother but she is also read lest we forget in one little TV series from the BBC called Downton Abbey you yeah. know what Riri I am I am trucking through this rewatch I probably won't get through all of it before the movie in September by the way there's a movie in September Riri I don't know if you're keeping up at home mm-hmm. uh, listeners as well Downton Abbey jump on the Downton train you know they, they took trains they took horse and buggies at a certain point you know, they, right, right they just introduced Branson who was the valet remember um, he's the revolutionary Irishman but sure. you know what Reed? I, I don't want to get too much in specifics because I want to just hit and run here um Read. we're four episodes into season one and bro i was unprepared i've seen this before yeah. i was un i was unprepared for the flood of emotions i would experience watching a trio of sisters mm. engage in ways both biting and benevolent towards each other yeah. not to mention yeah. their relationship with their dad like sure we, we were watching an episode last night and you'll probably recall, uh, speaking of a little low-key Marvel reference here, Daredevil, Mr. Charlie Cox shows up in like episode one or two of this series. But oh, I regardless, that. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, you might remember there's a, a, an epi- uh, a scene, a character in episode three, which is uh, the uh, Turkish gentleman that Mary swoons over and he oh, dies. Oh, yes, yes, that's anyway, right, yes, yes. So she has been intimate with him and he dies. Well, there's this real heartbreaking scene where she's reflecting on how her father will react. And I just started crying. Like oh, it just, it just happened. Yeah. And my wife yeah. was like, are you okay? I'm like, no, leave me alone. I I'm understand. In my, I'm in my Downton happy place or sad <laughs> place. Um, anyway. So yes, that, that is just the Downton catch up. I want to hit on a trailer that we'll both be able to discuss. And then I want to punt it to you. That's a sports reference. And then I want to talk about what I'm doing or okay. what I did rather. So read, yeah. We have, brother, since last we recorded, the intersection of all things great and glorious that is fear of God has That's true. been encapsulated in one little movie trailer called Dr. Sleep. Oh my Bro, gosh. So dude, exciting. That's a so great exciting. trailer. It really is. Yeah. Oh, it really is. And it's going to be fascinating to see how they, so clearly from the trailer, they are not only leaning upon the source material but also leaning upon the 
awareness of the Kubrick film, which I think is pretty remarkable. Yes, I'm actually I meant to post this in the Fear of God uh, group and I forgot to, but I read an interview or just a little press release with Flanagan where they very intentionally meant to connect it to the Kubrick film and how uncertain he was of that choice because he knew, of course, King's kind of dismissal of that material, but he felt sure. like it simplifies things that it, it, you know, we need to tie directly to there, but it did. He did get King's approval. I'm just impressed. Like I actually don't love the Dr. Sleep book. I mean, it's good. Mm. It's fine. Um, yeah. I, I've read it once, but I love Rebecca Ferguson. I love you and through our journey together through the works of Mike Flanagan, most notably in haunting of Hill house, um, I just kind of, it's a, it's a good feeling to at least trust the storytellers. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Who knows, who knows if it's going to be like an amazing film, but I trust Flanagan. I know at mm-hmm. the very least it's going to be an engaging tale from that standpoint alone. And I do think a lot of that trailer. Oh yeah. The trailer as a, just as a construct is magnificent and the ways in which it simply teases what we know about the shining Right. While still giving us some reasonably substantive teases for what the actual news story is going to be about. I just right. think all that stuff with Ewan McGregor, like seeing <sighs> the, the chalk on the wall yeah. and then the smash. and oh, Well, it, I yeah, can't remember. Fantastic. I mean, we don't have to go into too deep detail, but I can't remember the chalk aspect of the story. But um, I couldn't either, but I thought that that was maybe because of just the distance of time from my having read the book. Because yeah. it's been several years. I've only well, read it I once. Well, I love the deft nature of the deployment of the word shining in it. When he's talking talking to that teen girl on the bench and she says, you you have the magic too, or something like that. And he's like, well, I don't call it magic. I've Mm -hmm. always referred to it as the shining. And that's when just the, the whole piece ratchets up a notch. It's it's, it's pretty great. great. Yeah. It's really great. So I'm very excited. Um, Yeah. And I think that might even be one, depending on what's going on, that might even be one that uh, I can get my wife to come see with me because she just finished watching with me uh, The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, y'all finished it? Wow. We finished it. Yeah. Three days. Yeah. Father's Day weekend, bro. So uh, yeah, that was uh, a while back as this episode. Happy Father's Day. Yeah. To you and to all our our paterfamilias listeners. Yeah. It's like three weeks late, but yes, indeed. Sure. um, You know, but we didn't acknowledge it previously. That's true. So yeah, so she's you know she's kind of gotten a flavor for Flanagan's work, and uh, and so yeah, I'm uh, super super excited about Doctor Sleep. Honestly, at this point, I'm sure I will watch more trailers when they come out. But at this point, I'm like, nope, I'm there. I'm good. Yeah. I'm sold. You know, yeah. like that's. I'll just see what they what they have to give me. Well, and even I, and you know you know this just knowing me, but also anyone can go listen to our episode on The Shining, which was Quarterly King number two, I believe. Um, I believe two. Uh, yeah, either uh, two or three. Yeah, <laughs> this is super random, but not for this episode. But a future what you're watching is we just started. We're a couple episodes into the show Fleabag on Amazon. Oh, so I'm not I've like, heard recommending that. it yet. Yeah, it's it's super raunchy, oh. but it's really great structurally. Um, but I just saw a promo for it where the lead character, who's this real caustic. She breaks the fourth wall constantly, is talking to the camera and all this sort of stuff. Mm. But another character asks her her favorite period piece. <laughs> and she says, Carrie. No. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. Anyway, wow. so yes, Stephen King, 
Um, oh, yeah. All I was going to say is, you know, my slightly muted uh, disaffection for The Shining film. Mm-hmm. But even that said, goodness, the, the tail end of this trailer with that pounding kind of keyboard music oh yeah as the as the title card reveals itself Sounds that's chills. great yeah very yeah. much does very much does so um i have just a, a pair of films that i want to mention and one of them is really only going to be like a sentence or two from me um so i watched i did a double feature recently of two films uh very different types of films from most of what's out there and from each other uh but films i liked a lot one of them i would even say with you know, unabashed affection I loved. Um, so I watched one film that was by our, you know, I don't know that beyond bone tomahawk, he's rabidly beloved, uh, by us, but S Craig Zoller. Um, I saw his new film dragged across concrete, which, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a title right there. That'll tell you kind of what you're in store for. (laughs) If you're, uh, uh, you know, if you're at all interested. Um, so I saw that film. So what you're saying is it's like a real feel good type. Yeah. Very uplifting. So, but uh, I saw it stars Mel Gibson, Vince Vaughn, uh, got a couple of other, you know, uh, actors in smaller roles uh, along the way. But, um, but that film, which I really, I, I still think Bone Tomahawk is thus far S. Craig Zoller's crowning achievement. But the, um, the Dragged Across Concrete is solid. If you like Zoller's work, I would highly recommend it. I want to pivot into something else and then have a brief. Uh, reflection on it, hopefully keeping it super brief, because we got places to go. The second movie that I watched is a film that completely subverted all of my expectations. I I was expecting something kind of zany and wild, and instead got this just insanely moving, reflective, introspective character piece. The movie is called The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the mm-hmm. Bigfoot, right? Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, yeah. So you're expecting, with a title like that, The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot, you're expecting something a bit outrageous. We're going to be silly, we're going to be zany, whatever. This piece is so restrained, and it is so, uh, as I said, introspective. Sam Elliott delivers a fantastic performance. He's great in it. Um, He's kind of having, I feel like, with, you know, Star is Born, and he did The Hero not too long ago. He has that show on Netflix. I feel like Sam Elliott's kind of coming into a place where a lot of more, a lot more people know him, a lot more people like his work, and uh, sort of garnering a lot of respect for him and everything. But he is outstanding in this. And what surprised the heck out of me is just the film is incredibly reflective about just the nature of legacies, the nature of your role in the the greater whole of things and how important or not that is. Mortality, choices and chances missed, and just all of these little things that are just fantastic uh, points of provocative conversation and thought. There's a, there's a scene towards the end of it that I had to rewind and watch completely all over again, and all it is is two characters walking in the moonlight and having a conversation. But what they were saying wow. was so sure. impactful to me that I was like, as soon as the scene was over, I rewound it and watched it again. And it's uh, so it's it, it's a film that you know people would need to know going into it that hey, this is not a wild zany film. This is you know a thoughtful, introspective film. Uh, the title is not a metaphor. I will say that. And and that's as much as I'll say, so as not to spoil any of the plots. But the title is well, not. You, 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 
I mean, you just spoiled the plot. Oh, no, I didn't. You haven't seen it. You don't know. So, um, all I, so what you're saying is it's not just kind of figurative language about him well, killing Hitler and Bigfoot. So, no. I, I no, know. So, I'm just playing uh, with you, Riri. But, no, just that it is not, uh, yeah, it is not a metaphor, but there's a lot that also does not mean that you're in store for this, like, you know, wild horror piece. People just need to know it's, uh, it's very introspective and reflective and... Going back to uh, something about Dragged Across Concrete, there's a special feature on Dragged Across Concrete that I thought most especially with the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. There's a special feature on it where Zoller and Gibson and uh, Vaughn and, and, and a few other people, producers and such, on it. The, the title is called, the title of the little featurette is called Moral Conflict, Making Cinema That Challenges in a Blockbuster World. And wow. it's literally just where, where is that feature? That where that is feature that? is on. It's a special feature on Dragged Across Concrete. Oh, okay. So I saw it in relationship to Dragged Across Concrete, but I saw it after having watched both of these films. Okay, right. And it made me reflect on like these are films that, admittedly, like not only will they probably not have like a wild, broad audience. But they're very right. specific. They're very, uh, but they're exciting in that regard. They're very different kinds of films after different kinds of things. Interested in moral ambiguity. Interested in thoughts of life and death and how we navigate through life and towards death and all of these kinds of things. And so it's interesting because in that little featurette, they talk a lot about like, yeah, in in this day of cinema. There's very much like this gatekeeper idea. You got to push certain buttons to connect to certain demographics to get in so many screens and et cetera, et cetera. And so if you're interested in telling stories that are a bit challenging and a bit complicated and not as cut and dried that will provoke some thought, it is much, much harder to get that kind of story out there and to get that kind of story told. And uh, it just it just fascinated me to see both of these films, both films that I don't know how many people have heard of them. I don't know how many people, even if they'd heard of them, were interested in seeing them. But both films that I walked away, I mean, I don't think Dragged Across Concrete is is on the same level as like a Bone Tomahawk, which I would get rabid about. But it's still very good. It's solid. It's very challenging. It's interesting. And uh, and so, yeah, it's just it makes me feel like those films uh, that that's part of what I love about uh, discovering these little gems. And, and so, yes, would I that's would. Interesting. I've, yeah, I've, go ahead. I've heard very little good about dragged across concrete and i've heard nothing but good about hitler bigfoot so okay you know, it's interesting i would be um, not for this conversation i'd be curious yeah. at some point to hear like more detail about why people didn't like dragged across concrete because honestly i i thought it was great uh, it's again it's not zoller's best but i i thought it was i thought it was really great so yeah we can talk some other time about that sort sure. of thing so as not to get into um, specifics yeah. Um, well, and I haven't seen either of them. I just know general tones and, and flavors. But and gotcha. I do. A little birdie told me that the Hitler Bigfoot film is not metaphorical, so I do know that much. Yeah, um, I heard that but, too. I'm not sure. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't know. Um, uh, my very last thing I wanted to throw out here, um, even though I've chatted for a while about it, I just wanted to shout out locally. Um, there's a comic book store here in Charlotte called Heroes mm -hmm. Aren't Hard to Find, which, for goodness gracious. 30 years maybe at this point they've done an annual convention in the summer called heroes con and it's interesting just how kind of life does this but we've been in charlotte since 2006 which is 
incredibly 13 years at this point. And early in my Charlotte life, I would routinely trek out to Heroes Con at that point in time. I did collect comics more, you know, kind of the, the standard traditional way of monthly physical copy of books and stuff. And kind of reached a point in adult life where, I mean, I still love all that material and that sort of stuff. But in terms of just, you know, kind of kind of parted ways with the collection, I really, I don't even know if I own a single one at this point, maybe one or two. And... And kind of my general sort of whatever about going to these cons kind of dissipated a good bit just because the very a very cynical take would be I recognize, hey, you're just going to go and spend a bunch of money you may or may not want to spend on stuff you ultimately may or may not really need. So it kind of dimmed a lot of that sort of energy around going. Well, this past weekend, as we just referenced, was Father's Day, and that is when they traditionally have Heroes Con. And my wife was kind of like, Hey, you can, what, what do you want to do? Here's a couple options, uh, kind of deferring to me. And, sure. and actually that wasn't on the table, but I was, my kids, I dropped off with, uh, relatives on actual father's day. So Saturday is when we did our father's day stuff. And I was like, you know what? I've, my, I've never taken my kids to a comic convention. Like it's, it's, it's in town, so the the stakes of you're going to a thing and the energy required are pretty low. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. So I just was like, you know what? I'm going to take my kids to a comic show and, you know, just let them kind of experience that. And, dude, we were there for like, I don't know, three hours. But I am so thrilled I made that choice. That's like, awesome. We They dressed up, one as Spider-Gwen, one as... um squirrel girl mm. uh i i did in fact don the blue and red of uh infinity war that. captain america and in fact later that night when my wife was like hey will you put your costume away i was like i believe you mean uniform she was <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like yeah whatever just put it away um but you know like we we went we drove downtown we walked a block to all in costume and outside the uh, convention center where this is held, there was a group of spider men and, and women. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, one as uh, in-game Peter. Well, oh. Infinity War. Infinity War Peter costume. Sure. One as Miles. One as Gwen. And and I saw the 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 Peter Spider-Man. I was like, hey, man, let's get a picture together. Well, then all the spider people are like, hey, can we all get a picture with all y'all? That's that costume's awesome. great. It was just, it was great. And it was so cool because my kids... Got to see that sort of a peek into that world, and he, I, I, I'm, I am shouting out heroes because they run a really family oriented show. In other words, like, mm. like kids eighteen and under are free completely to oh, get in. Wow, um, okay. they are very like pro kind of diversity and and you know safety and and all this sort of stuff. They they play down a, a thing that is unfortunate about this genre material sometimes is it sort of raciness and that sort of stuff. Like they are very sure. intentional about like nothing over PG 13 is to be displayed. Like it's yeah, just a yeah. really conscientious show. And my kids, we just walked this convention floor. I gave them a little budget and you know, they got their faces painted and we took pictures with the Ecto one. And you know, like, awesome. I mean, it was just, it was a really great time. A couple of folks wanted to take our picture all together and and it was just cool to, for them to get to kind of experience that it was a lot of fun that's so, awesome man yeah yeah it was it was a really good time and so just shout out to heroes here although i do shop and uh, and uh patronize 
uh, Rebel Base, which is also a comic shop in here. It's a little closer. But Heroes <laughs> does a bang-up job on their convention. And that has been another installment of What You Watching! What You Doing! <laughs> what You Listening To! That was fun. That was. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Oh! Well, Nathan. Read. We have uh, one more bit of business to get to before we make our way down to the Winchester. So, do we have a bit of business? Yeah, we do. Are you, are you ready? <clears throat> I got I to gotta get my, my pipes ready. Hold on. <clears throat> <clears throat> Welcome to another installment of Hashtag TV Guideposts, brought to you by The Fear of God, in which we discuss the television show produced and created by stars the stars original programming ash versus evil dead this week we'll be looking at episodes three through five of season two mostly revolving around a possessed vehicle go ahead sit back relax and enjoy this installment of hashtag tv guideposts That's all. Here we are. It's all so T- lovely. TV guidebooks. <laughs> Read. So, here so we, we are in. Uh, here we are. So you know you you knew maybe you didn't. Maybe you were worried it would never. Uh-oh. But I think in your your heart of hearts, you knew the moment would come where I would sort of like overtake you in the energy for Ash versus Evil Dead. Oh, is just, that moment about just, to happen? I'm here to report. I'm having a hell of a good time with this show. It's Isn't fun. it great? It I'm is so fun. It's no, fun. I'm so delighted. And that's the thing is like, you know, I yes, uh, listeners know like you know we ca- called it out in the first sort of installment of this that, I mean, it didn't. You've always been sort of uh, I'll I'll say persuadable. You've you've there've been frequent you know pieces of material that we've wanted to call to cover on the show, and you would be a little reticent. You'd be like, I don't I don't know. I'm not quite sure. And then, you know, I would coax you into it. Like I said, that, you know, you would usually be persuadable if I would really push you're for like thing, you. Kinda, you're like my dealer. You're like my dealer. You're like, hey, man. Hey, you know. <laughs> I got some Ash versus Evil this, Dead over I here. I got this Necronomicon. It's fresh. You want it's this? Stuff. You want this? Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but no. Carry so on. It just delights me because, yeah, some some things, they, they haven't all been winners, but some things, uh, you know, I'm really, really glad to hear. Like when you when you say you're really into it and you're enjoying it, that just that just excites me because I love. Yeah, I love this show. And so uh, it would have it would just been a thing. I would have understood yeah. if, you, if you had just sort of made your way through it. But I mean, it I would have I would have felt bad for you for how much it would have. <laughs> sucked if i was like out for like two months sure sure. i go okay reed just i'm gonna just let me know when you're done (laughs) i'll come back for the main event sure but um but yeah i mean episode three called last call i think the previous does the previous the previous episode ends with the car getting stolen yeah yes that's a cliffhanger on it yep and so this one kind of engages this one and the following one uh, real explicitly is a bit of a two episode arc mm-hmm. um, engaging what, as you just alluded to, is this whole possessed car arc. That was fantastic. Oh, I it's mean, great. that's just a no, really, yeah. I mean, they, they kind of, I, I, I think I alluded to this maybe last week with the, the creepy, she calls them her children, the spawn, whatever. Oh yeah. Um, creepy kids. How, how much I enjoy and was 
happily surprised by them mixing up the monsters like yeah because because yeah. you there is a world where it's like okay if all this series is is a bunch of deadites it works at first but that's going to wear out real quick sure so you know the spawn character you know or at least visually compelling and also a little frightening um but i think the car is maybe one of the most at least where we're at so far one of the most perfect representations of what that show can do yes. in terms of in terms of honoring its own world while also experimenting with some pretty killer kind of visuals and and style. Oh, absolutely. I'll you know, we'll we'll come back to last call and a couple of specifics about that, but the episode DUI, which is the big Ash versus that's his showdown car. In the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so great. Ash yeah. versus his car. That episode is, I, I would say, and I mean, admittedly, the show's only thirty episodes long, but that's a top five episode. That's a crowning achievement for the show. That is an absolutely fantastic, uh, fantastically constructed thirty minutes of of entertainment. Um, right. It's it's a great culmination of a few plot lines and some character callouts, and it's just it's wonderful. I love that episode. But uh, well, let's yeah, let's let's drill down on last call a little bit here. So teenagers have stolen the car. Pablo hatches the idea to throw a party to try to draw these teenagers out. And so you've got it's actually a Ash. Story. It's actually Ash's idea. Oh, OK. Yeah. OK. You've got your kind of story of the car and the teens and what's happening with them juxtaposed with this kind of party that's going on and all the right. attendant silliness and frivolity attached to that. Um, I, I mean, we can't like. He kind of had it coming, but we could not get far without just acknowledging that, oh my God, and that teaser, that girl chomping oh, that dude's ding oh, dong off. Oh, like, no, holy cow. No. Oh, I mean, disgusting. this show in quick succession has raised yeah. the game on, <laughs> on sort of ding dong attack. Like, it's just, <laughs> it is not pleasant. Uh, oh my gosh. Between but, the morgue you know, and this. Yeah, no kidding. Right, right, no right. Kidding. I'm, I mean, I'm in the butt one episode, oh. I'm, you know, kind of, kind of just sort of cringing and wincing the next episode. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Um, yeah. That, that, that teaser is just that whole, that whole thing with the poor kids. I just, I'm like, hang on, hush. Yeah. I'm looking at this. Look, I'm looking at this note and it just, it's a quote and he just says, I can't fart without tripping over that book. And I fart a lot. And there's a pause. <laughs> First things first, and then he farts. And then he farts. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Oh, it's so great. Oh, um, it is great. Yeah, I wrote down, speaking of that whole sequence with the, the car uh, and everything, where, like, you know, it starts with the deadite girl in the back and, and then just sort of moves to the car, too. I just wrote, deadite Delta ain't messing around. Like, the whole, where it's bouncing up, and then it teases that guy by, like, hovering over him oh, yeah, before, yeah, yeah. like, spinning its wheel and basically just pulverizing his face uh yeah yeah those are some pretty grisly deaths that car (laughs) no kidding no kidding pulls off i don't know if you would have recognized him um so uh we'll call it the pink stuff for this episode (laughs) because we're because we're ostensibly a family show but uh the bartender who makes the pink stuff oh that that uh ashes uh you know teaming up with yeah his buddy yeah yeah so that's ted ramey that's sam ramey's brother oh yeah and uh he had been in uh he had cameoed in every installment of 
Evil Dead before, except for the remake, including a couple of video game installments for it. Most of the times he's a deadite, so uh, this is a rare opportunity for him to appear like actually just sort of as himself, uh, not you know like as a character unadorned right, by right, other right. prosthetics and everything. Um, and I really enjoy his interplay with Ash. Like you can kind of yeah, feel that they're. Fun. They're they're buddies, you know, like right. probably off stage, uh, off screen, and and so yeah, it's uh, it, it, I really enjoy him quite a bit. Oh, I did write you just referenced this, but the car was cool. The car itself was cool until that whole spinning wheel to the dude's face. But then oh. the flames were pretty awesome. Oh my gosh, the flames! <laughs> it just it just like has flames from its undercarriage, it like, every, yeah, yeah, like yeah. oh my gosh, like every few minutes. Um, I love I, for last call. Um, this is just going to be like a quick succession, like the last five minutes and it all happens in five minutes. Like so much happens. The last five minutes of last call is like, I absolutely love it, but it is such economical, precise storytelling. I mean, you get in five minutes, you get Pablo like pep talking Ash out of his funk, which I think is a great sequence. You've got Ash saving his dad and finally earning his respect. And it's all yeah. culminating in uh, his dad finally validating and defending him yeah. to everybody, you know, only and to, then, oh yeah. Only to be brutally run down and just, I got to give him credit. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I, I, really was, oh. I just wasn't even thinking about it. It's just, sure. yeah, that was, that was effective. I do. I do want to shout out. I feel like Pablo's hairstyle is basically a character on the show. At this point. <laughs> Like he's got that daddy still has a flat top sort of thing going on. Uh, <laughs> daddy still has a flat top. <laughs> Cut your hair. Cut your hair. Shut up. Shut up, woman. <laughs> I'll pick my hair with my fork. <laughs> Listeners have no idea what we're referencing. It's so funny. This oh. bit brought to you by the Chris Rock Show. Oh, Circa that's funny. 2000. Somewhere around um, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, yes, I agree. There's some really effective editing or, or storytelling there at the end. Um, speaking of selective editing, mm. <laughs> those two old men riding that mechanical bull, that is not two old men riding <laughs> that mechanical bull. That's all I got to say. That's hilarious. Yeah. I just love, oh, I love bits like that where you're like, okay, let's watch for the cuts. Yep, there yep. it is. Oh, there and it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. there's a close-up of the face. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and we're cutting too. Yep. We can't see their face. Yep. That was really funny. <laughs> Oh, one of my great. favorite one of my favorite lines of this episode, other than the fart one, is uh after <laughs> after um I think it's after the dad wins the the mechanical bull riding thing and and he says something about winning and then even growing up playing catch and Ash says, You don't win playing catch, Pop. You throw the ball back and forth and you bond. <laughs> It's great. Oh, God, so great. Um, so uh, if, unless you had some more on Last Call, I mean... Well, yeah. I mean, you, you brushed past like one of the most effective lines in the series so far. Which Me, You are Ash Williams, Demon Slayer, Deadite Killer, Friend, Hero, and Hefe. That was a great line. That's a really wonderful line. Um, yeah, I mean, then, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You, you referenced it, but you didn't state it. Um, and then I just wrote that that is one nasty kill with the swirly decapitation of the Deadite in the bathroom. Woo! That's awful. That's yeah, disgusting. that's really gross. Really, really gross. So no, we can we can move into DUI. Um, this is like I said. I think I think this is one of the top, unquestionably one of the top five episodes of the series. Uh, might be top three. I mean, it is fantastic. There's some good stuff coming, but might it be top two? 
Maybe there's some I'm good. Just, there, just, yeah, I know. I'm just. There's some I'm good just. stuff coming up though. Um, but uh, I love the a little exchange between Chet, which is Ted Ramey, and Ash about what's going on and why the Delta's going to the arena. He's like, Oh, that's great. He's I like, Because that's where I first banged Lillian Pendergrass, and then he's like, Oh, see, I thought it was because that's where he picked up the Delta first, and then he swung back around as a cry for help and kind of an existential <laughs> circle of life thing. <laughs> I just love it. And Ash looks at him. He's like, That that could work too. <laughs> I, just, uh, I thought I thought you were referencing. All, uh, there's a lot of good bits in this one, but um, when when he asks him about the chainsaw, and Ash is like, oh, "It's for ice sculptures." Oh. And he's like, "What's a shotgun for?" Oh, it's for if they don't pay for ice sculptures. <laughs> it's really funny. Although I, we've skipped past one of my favorite exchanges in this episode is at the very top when Ash is mourning, although <laughs> pretty ridiculously so, his father and putting his brain back in his oh, head. Oh my gosh! Um, yes. When yes. when he he says to Pablo, he says, think of life as a good time, not a long time. And Pablo says, no, thank you. And Astra says, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I don't know. I enjoy it's stuff great. like that. I, I mean, I love the opening with Ash discovering the possessed car um, to come yeah. on set, to come on Feel the Noise. That's great. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, it's really wonderful. Um, I, I mean, think- and we, we do have this. I keep cutting you off. I'm sorry. but You're okay. Got, you're right. Come on. Speaking of, we, we opened the episode with vocabulary vocabularistic stylings like exacerbate we learned possibly one of the greatest vocabulary words in the english language uh or at least in the ash williams language uh, that of hoochie macooters (laughs) hoochie macooters (laughs) i I couldn't even say it (laughs) oh god it's brilliant yeah we'll just leave that one there we'll just Hit and run that one. Oh my gosh. Um there's not I mean, there's not a ton of specifics to say about it, but like I said, like, you know, when when Ash first arrives to confront the Delta, that's a pretty badass setup. Um, and then Ash versus, you know, the Delta, which is his possessed car, is one of the finest sequences in this show. And it's one of the show's crowning achievements. I think it's fantastic. It's great fun. It's uh, it's suspenseful. There's a lot going on in it. It's it's and I mean, really, really great. It's dumb, but I will also admit it is clever. The reiterating of Pop's advice to him on how to ride the bull oh, when he's yes. on the car hood. I oh, mean, it's yeah, it's yeah, stupid, yeah, yeah. but it was like okay, I, I'm with you. Yeah, um, it's cool. It's cool. I will say this as a brief little kind of serious note, not serious like it's intense, but just as far as as much as I'm complimenting certain visuals and monster effects and executions i actually really hate when the necronomicon talks i think it's really oh, ineffective okay. yeah. mm. and in fact kind of undercuts the sinister nature of it you know what i mean oh no i hear that i mean it didn't bother me but i i wouldn't argue about that i understand because it's a kind of a, a, a gimmicky thing it's got this real sort of distorted voice i will say you know speaking of sinister uh, that whole ash versus the car thing is is awesome and lots of fun but I do think also, and this is why this episode is so fantastic to me, or one one of the many reasons, Kelly and Ruby hunting her kids is genuinely kind of harrowing and pretty freaky. Yeah, that was good. Um, the, those, we've talked before about how those kids are really creepy, uh, effectively scary creature design. Um, yeah, man, like Kelly and Ruby sort of against them is really makes for some very genuinely scary imagery in a show that often goes for camp. That's some genuine frights, I feel like. Most people would probably be genuinely freaked out by some of the stuff in that sequence. Yes, agreed. <laughs> um, that was all I had for, for DUI. Um, we can go to confinement. It's, 
so the next yeah so here's what's cool about confinement so I, i literally only have two notes for confinement i in general i really enjoy that episode it's a bit of a like a little chamber sort of box episode scenario. Like it's just, they, they are all trapped in this. I feel like you really hate my use of the word bottle episode. Like oh, you, you bottle. Intentionally oh, resist no. it. You know, it's like box. That, that's not even a thing. No, it's, well, I don't, I don't know what's the thing and what's not a thing. I just, we have, no, we've established this. We've established this. It's a bottle episode. Like, yeah. It's like a thing. It's an, it's Man, an industry term. Like, I feel like, the Delta is trying to run me down right now with the with my use of <laughs> with vocabulary. Your, with your hoochie macooters. Hoochie macooters. But no, so like. This episode brought to you by. <laughs> by hoochie macooter. Um, wow, I wasn't going to say it, but feel free. <laughs> so, okay, confinement, confinement. So um, they are all stuck in, because they introduced this plot line of like the the sort of the big bad demon ball and how he's trying to return to earth and he's trying to use Ruby's kids to do that. And Ruby's trying to fight him and stop him, but he can in a very gruesome way, assume the skin of other people. And so what's kind of cool is it's almost, it almost edges into that John Carpenter's the thing kind of like any, any of us could be ball and uh, you know, the, the paranoia that rises up in that. And in that sense, the episode's kind of fun. I say kind of fun. Like it's, it, I think it's genuinely fun. Um, but ultimately, like you said, feel, feels a little like just a bottle. Uh, it's this very sort of, I mean, the episode's called confinement. It's kind of just a confined storytelling uh, to introduce us to some of the things that they'll probably pay off later in the season. Well, and I don't envy Production-wise, I mean, you go from a, a really strong two-parter featuring a demon-possessed car and the right. fantastic visuals that go along with that to what is effectively, at least right now, kind of a low-rent Randall Flag. You know, like yeah, I get just, that. It's, yeah. it's a little different kind of tone there. Uh, I, I mean, I think the sort of conceit and especially the visuals that go along with it of how he uh, does what he does in to the lady cop at the top of the episode is awful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's Um, pretty gross. Although I did love the line. So I think Pablo has at this point confessed to some skin disorder he's experiencing. And (laughs) and Ash says, I've had rashes in my armpits on my gonads, on my butt crack, on my butt cheeks. It's just, (laughs) (laughs) I just think the word gonads is funny. That's, Um, That's a lot of funny there. Um, Ash sawing up skinned Whoa. lady cop is nasty. I honestly, yeah. the, what's fun about some of these notes is I don't remember. Uh, so I just oh reading yeah, notes, I don't remember exactly what happened. Yeah, well there. he because yeah the uh once Ball has kind of assumed their skin, they're mostly done. But then he uh essentially one of the uh I think the production crew called the meat oh, bodies. Yes, I remember yeah. now. Yeah. And um, so so the they it, and that is a pretty scary moment yes. in the end. Yes, you know, like the meat body kind of comes after them. And I like so in one of the behind the scenes uh, conversations, they said uh, at this point in the show, to your point earlier about like, well, it can't all just be deadites. 
they the production crew were act and the writers were actively looking for opportunities for new monsters. Like sure. they're never going to fully abandon the deadite thing, but looking for ways to to just change it up, to just uh, right, change up right. the dynamics. And I think in some really effective and fun ways. Like yeah, that creature is is great looking and really genuinely very scary. Um, so there's a lot to like about just that episode as a piece. I think that's one where I wouldn't drill down on too many, for myself, wouldn't drill down on too many specifics to praise, but just overall, like, especially at this point, if you're bought in on the wavelength of the show, it's a fun little, yeah, little bottle chamber episode. See, I said bottle that time. <laughs> you just throwing them all together? It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a, a bottle little, chamber box. Uh, bottle chamber box of an episode. <laughs> uh, this week's episode structurally is a bit of a bottle chamber box. It's like, whoa. That's, wow. <laughs> that costs more than the episode. Oh, um, Yes. Uh, well, hang on. All right, Reed. So I'm gonna. All right, go ahead. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try it. Okay. Okay. Go Here ahead. we go. Here we go. This has been another installment of TV Guideposts. This time featuring Ash versus Evil Dead season two, episodes three through five. Tune in next week for a follow-up installment, also featuring Ash versus Evil Dead season two. This time episodes six, seven, and eight. TV Guideposts. That was lovely. That That's was pretty glorious. good. Thank you. You're I lovely. really like. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm that. I'm that lovely. So thank you. I wow. It. I mean, I just let just can a guy give a guy a compliment? <laughs> you know, like without it getting awkward. <clears throat> I, I thought know. we were past this at this point. You know, <laughs> after all so, those years. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are, Reed. We okay. Oh we have talked about Funny or Die for a year and a half or more. Always and always and always and forever on that list, never flagging was yep. Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead. And here we are. Absolutely. Um, and this is this is a lot of fun. I texted you the other night, which you didn't acknowledge this statement, but I'll did say it to I, you I here. I don't think you did, but if you did, I'm sorry for forgetting. You can you can make up for it here. <laughs> or I can make up for it. Whatever is about to happen can happen. Um <laughs> Okay. For me personally, this might be like one of my, I don't know, top five or 10 favorite horror movies. I love oh, it. Oh, yeah, 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 it yeah. Is, it is hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's clever. It's, it's British. And as we know from <laughs> Downton Abbey, I do love a good British piece of media. <laughs> yeah, that you do. That you do. Um, so, no, I, I love this movie, and I'm really glad to be talking about it. Yeah, uh, and this, like you said, this has always been sort of in the conversation on Funny or Die. I've, I always wanted, I know this sounds weird, but like whenever we would talk about Funny or Die, I always knew I would make a pitch for Ernest Scared Stupid, and then the obvious no brainer was going to be Shaun of the Dead. That it was, you know, sort of anchor the whole series. No brainer. It's uh, a zombie movie. Uh, I wasn't even trying. It just happened. Yeah, um, it just happens. So, um, it was funny because re- it, it had been a while since I'd seen this film. Um, I always, you know, I always knew I loved it. I've, I've seen it a few times before this and I'd always really enjoyed it, but man, uh, it had been some distance of time since I'd seen it. And dude, I, I, every, I mean, it impressed the heck out of me all over again. It wasn't like a completely fresh viewing, but I was like, man, I forgot how wonderful this film is. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, what I love, I love that feeling of, you know, Edgar Wright has has clearly made a name for himself um, since this, and and even 
during this time frame. Sure. Um, he had spaced before this, and I don't know if he had a feature yet before this, but I, I'm not sure. I don't um, know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But either. regardless, you know, this is kind of ground zero for what has become a very successful career for him. Sure. Um, pour a cold one out for Ant Man. Um, but <laughs> yeah. uh, it's really fun when you watch a movie that you really like, and then. Like in this case, you rewatch it years later and not only does it hold up, but then just looking through some of the accolades it's received, it is, it, it, it really is considered a fantastic film and that's just yeah. fun. Oh you know? yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I did write, I did write down if, if we can transition to our bits here, um, <laughs> sure. that, uh, the King himself mm-hmm. said of Shaun of the dead, that it is a 10 on the fun meter and destined to be a cult classic. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, another thing that I like a lot, uh, you know, speaking of endorsements. So, uh, it, the, the movie has nearly countless homages to George Romero and his, uh, Mm -hmm. dead series, you know, specifically night of the living dead, dawn of the dead, day of the dead. George Romero himself was given a private screening of the film and is said to have loved it. He said, you know, that, that he really responded very positively to it. So two bits of little trivia that I dug up, um, one is a, a little meta and might require some explanation for uh, most of our listeners. So, but there was a sequel discussed. We mentioned this on Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh, there was a sequel, uh, or we didn't mention it about this film, but like similarly to Tucker and Dale versus Evil, there was a sequel that was in the ether for a long time. Uh, but ultimately, they dismissed the sequel to Shaun of the Dead because they felt like Shaun of the Dead was just too complete. Of itself, it was a very mm-hmm. you know final piece. Uh, but had they proceeded with a sequel, it would have been called From Dusk Till Sean, which I think is clever and funny. That is, um, that is pretty good. So, in a bit of, I thought you're about, I thought you're about to mention this. Uh, oh, yeah, so because because you literally, I have Stephen King, and then immediately after it, I have George Romero. So I thought you were about to say this. Oh, he was so impressed with them that he asked them to appear in cameo roles in his 2005 Land of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, that's um, right. And the two of them insisted on being zombies rather than the slightly more noticeable roles they were originally offered. Yep. And it's been a long time. I saw Land of the Dead exactly once, and I don't think at the time that I knew who to look for or anything, but when I read that, I was curious. I was like, oh, I might seek Land of the Dead out and try to see it and see if I can spot them. I'd have to... um, I'd have to maybe re-watch them, but, you know, this is part of what has come to be referred to as the Cornetto trilogy for Edgar Wright. Yep. And I, I don't care. I, I like the other two fine. It's hot fuzz and world's end at, at world's end. Is that right? No, at world's end is the pirates of the Caribbean movie. I think this is just, kind of the <laughs> yeah, world's that one end. sucks. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's why I dislike that movie so much. <laughs> no. Um, uh, I, I think both of those are fine. I've only seen them once, but I don't, I don't have any level of sort of affection for those like I do with this at all. I can I can see that particularly about World's End. Hot Fuzz gives this a run for its money. I will, I'm really? I'm not going to say I think, that it's... I think I've only seen it once and so okay. I might have to revisit it, but I think and maybe it's just the genre, the horror aspect of this that I appreciate it. I don't I don't know, but Sure, um, sure. <clears throat> I just don't I don't remember having that level of sort of being taken with those as I do with this. Gotcha. Well, I, yeah, and I will say that, like, with this proximal viewing of Shaun of the Dead, if I watched Hot Fuzz, I don't know where I would land, but I remember when Hot Fuzz came out, there was a lot of internal debate about which film I admired and liked more. Hot Fuzz is fantastic, I think. 
But World's End didn't quite push those same buttons. It's fun, and I enjoyed it, but World's End is definitely the weakest of the three. But, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate those. So I have a bit of uh, <laughs> Fear of God meta trivia, and maybe we'll explain it, maybe we won't. You're going to get it, and listeners will hear it, and it's not like they'll be confused. But um, So Simon Pegg was offered a role in a different film that he specifically turned down to do Shaun of the Dead instead. Have you read what that other film was? Um, I, if I have, it's I, it did not ping with me. The film that Sean that Simon Pegg uh turned down to be in this was one Dog Soldiers, <laughs> which wow, <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's smart a, choice, Simon. Exactly. Um. So yeah, that's a that that's a bit of a inside fear of God meta trivia. But he's a, he's an inter- he's an interesting dude. Like he, you know. Um, I mean, I know he's been in this and that over the years. He's prominently in the Mission Impossible films, but sure, uh, he's in prominently in the Star Trek Abrams Star Treks. Um, but you know, then you've got little random things like he appears as Yunkar Plot in <laughs> Star Wars Force Awakens. You know, right, he's like right, to- totally covered in yeah, uh, prosthetics and whatnot. Wouldn't recognize him at all in something like that. I just need I need my Jeff Hansen, my Star Wars fans out there, to be like. I didn't look that up, that name up. I just, I, <laughs> I just called it. I called it forth. That's awesome. Um, I call thee forth, Trentor. Wow. I'm gonna say that every single time I hear those words. <laughs> um, so, all right. I mean, your 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 earnest quote is is a bit more relevant than my Star Wars <laughs> alien, alien Simon Pegg quote. But here we are. I have a uh, I have one more bit of trivia, and then we can move into likes dislikes. Unless you have some more. Um, so uh, I'm sure you probably caught it, particularly with our TV guide post. But when Sean is speaking to the employees uh, near the beginning, he's I've got it right say here it, say in it, front of me. Say it. He says, "Ash is feeling under the weather." Yep, it's so awesome. I love it. I love it. So Look, much. your boy, your boy done grown up. That's right. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot to love about this film. There's a lot to like. There is not. Very much. I don't. I don't have any dislikes on this. Like it's nope. all. It's all just notes of likes and loves. You know, it's funny the way you just said that because my very first. I I caught myself getting swept up in the movie, and I do have actually a smattering of notes here, but yeah. I I only have a few lines. And what I wrote down, I said I barely wrote any lines down because there's too many good ones and they come too quickly to write down. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just sort of rapid fire. It's really true, um, and uh, and I think that like the reality is, and I did write this note. The fact is that I love something about every scene of this movie, literally every one. There's something that I could latch onto for every scene of this movie and say like, I like that. That's clever. That's funny. That's scary. That's a that's moving. You know, like something in every single scene. So I, I did write a few like of my favorites, uh, just a few noteworthy favorites. Um, I'll mention two things real quick and then we can volley a little bit here. The first of all, I want to just heavily praise the script. The script is staggeringly clever. It is filled not only with references to zombie films, references to sort of nerd culture, homage, foreshadowing, self-referential commentary, humor, uh, earned laughter, genuine sentiment, sometimes in surprising ways, uh, lots of call-outs in the first third to things that happen in the last third, and it's just, it's a staggeringly impressive script. I'm just, I'm very, very uh, just impressed as, as a writer and as a film fan of just what they managed to do with this one. 
Uh, second thing that I wanted to mention is uh, I do think a huge reason that the film works as well as it does, although the script is, as I just said, very, very strong. But I think a huge reason it works so well is simply because of Simon Pegg's bullseye performance. He's, yeah, I think yeah. he's perfect in this. He's his layers and levels. Um, and I think that even as clever as the script is, and even as strong as the supporting cast is, which I, I think is fantastic, if Simon Pegg had missed the mark, I don't think the film would have worked as well as it does. Sure, sure, yeah. But he does, Well, and, 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 you know, he and Edgar Wright had a relate, working relationship already. He has sort of a, a, a cherubic kind of distinct look to him. Like, sure. he just fits well as this, like, ne'er-do-well um kind of uh, not schlub and that he's like a doughy guy i don't mean that sure, just like sure. he's just he's just a cog in a societal wheel and yeah. Simon peg kind of nails that sort of look it's funny you you, you articulate it the way you did <laughs> the note i uh took is i just love so much of this movie i love the humor I love the production design, the sound editing. It's not often you come away being like, I really love the sound editing. <laughs> yeah, right. I love, I love the pathos, mm. pathos, the pathos. Yeah, sure. What and and specifically tagging onto that, I, I'm speaking as a novice here, so so recognize that. But part of me feels like this film, and maybe writes oeuvre in general, but but this is the one most fresh, and probably the one I would point to as I'm a, a biggest fan of of his, but. Uh, the writing in general, every character has some form of payoff. Like everyone oh, yeah. has a oh, yeah. very defined arc. Everyone mm -hmm. is served well. Everyone is serviced well. Like it is a real sort of study worthy film on just how to write an ensemble and to execute that well. Sure, sure. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's really brilliant. There's some things you're talking about payoffs. I wrote a list of I wrote a list of things, and this kind of again speaks. You do love lists. I do. Uh, this kind of speaks again to the cleverness of the script. I wrote lines that uh, have more significance, but in the moment they kind of made sense, even where they were in context. But then they appeared later in either a different context or a referential way, and and it like you're talking about payoffs. So uh, Ed's proposal to Sean of how their day is going to go like kind of mirrors the journey that they actually take through the day, like, sure. you know, beginning yeah. with a bloody Mary and, you know, her name is Mary and, and you know, all, <laughs> you know like, and then it start, it's, you know, and then back to the bar for shots, you know, like it's, it's just, it's crazy. And then, yeah. then, um, I don't know if you caught this, but in the very beginning, when Sean's trying to tell Ed, like, Hey, you should straighten up the place and everything. And then he keeps getting distracted by Ed playing the video game. And right. he was like, uh, you know, oh, top left. And then he was, and then he's like, right. uh, uh, oh, reload. And he, and then Ed says, I'm on it. And then he says, nice shot. That is the identical exchange that they made when they're firing off at the zombies at the Winchester, but it's reversed. This time, Ed says, top left, and Sean fires. And then he says, reload. And Sean says, I'm on it. And then he hits it, and Ed says, nice shot. It's just, it's crazy. That's cool. Yeah, I knew I knew they were meant to be echoes of each other. I didn't know they were explicitly, yeah. you know, beat for beat. Um, um, I have a few more, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, no. Just these in this list things of, of payoffs. So uh, I have a few more uh, where he's talking about Pete. He says, the next time I see him, he's dead. 
before Sean takes Pete out, he says, I said, leave him alone. Talking about Ed, you know, uh, calling back to earlier. Uh, I don't know if you caught that Pete says to Ed early in the film, why don't you go live in the shed? Which is where Ed winds up. Um, Obviously, when when Sean's other friend, the one that sort of keeps popping up, when she first sees him, she says, how are you doing? And he says, surviving, which is exactly what he and Liz say to the... uh, to the same character at the end. And then, of course, uh, we kind of did a little thing with it uh, last week, but no, I'm sorry, Sean. Uh, It's just, there's so many great payoffs, so many wonderful, wonderful lines, uh, and I just love it so much. Yeah, what else is there to say? Do you have some more (laughs) (laughs) likes-dislikes? Yes, I'm just playing with you. I mean, uh, backing, rewinding a bit in terms of the film chronology, uh, it is... At this point, not in, not a fresh uh, convention, but I love how deftly they employ at the top of the film the old like two characters are referencing characters the audience doesn't know are immediately off screen bit. Right. Yes. 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 You yes, know, yes. Yeah. Referencing Ed and oh, there's no Ed, and then referencing the other two and oh, there they are. And and you talk about uh, payoffs and and the the pathos and I'm trying to think of another p word for alliteration's sake but <laughs> um these mini arcs mm. i know this is random but in my head i'm visualizing the camera pan to the couple i can't remember the character's names but david david and, and uh, what's her, oh and gosh the, what is her name david and well re- re- regardless i think one of the strengths one of the very real strengths like diane what makes this movie kind of what it is is you've got very surface level surface level archetypes that by the end have a very deep kind of interior life. I mean, right, goodness, the right. the stress and and sort of discomfort attached to the dynamic that presents itself of David's affection for is it Liz? Liz, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean that that whole thread is really tough. Yeah. And raises some stakes for the interpersonal relationships too, even when oh, they're yeah, in, yeah, yeah. even yeah. when they're in peril. It's great. Um, you mentioned I don't know the character's name, but the 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 random girl who isn't part of their troop but shows up a trio of times. Yeah. Um I I love I think it's Lindsay. Uh, I believe it's Lindsay, but I'm not sure. Just in general, I love the establishing elements of the zombie outbreak, but then he runs into the girl unto her on the street. And there's this accident in full view behind them, and they're having this very casual conversation, <laughs> right? You know, not, right. Not referencing whatsoever. Um, little bits like the um, great bit of video editing when he's watching the TV and flipping channels. Oh, and how the audio is syncing up to itself. It's a sentence. It's a full sentence. It's yes, yeah, it's yes, brilliant. yeah. It's really brilliant. Um, well, and and all I was gonna say here is just you mentioned Bloody Mary. I mean, just that that whole encounter with her in the backyard that culminates in this fantastic uh, bit of uh, visual effect, the through the abdomen shot. Yes. Of Sean after, oh after she gosh. gets up. Yes. Yeah. And then I love, so I wrote this down. There's lots of, there's like three little brief moments sort of uh, surrounding that. The first one I wanted to mention is like after that, after that shot, then it cuts back to Ed and Ed just winds the camera, which is really hysterical. Yes, that's hysterical. Uh, but then, you know, it culminates in them debating over which albums to throw at the zombies or not, which I think yes. is really funny. And and the Batman soundtrack. Oh my gosh. Comes up. He's like, throw it. Um, 
I also wrote, although this is a little bit before that whole exchange, so when Sean's going through his routine and he opens up the soda case and then when he closes the soda case, slips on something. <laughs> like he just, Yes, yes. It's such a small touch, but it's brilliant. It's really, really wonderful. Yes, it really is. That whole, that, that whole kind of tracking shot, I, I don't think it, well, I can't remember because I wasn't paying attention. I don't think it's a, a single shot, but that whole bit of following him around just to his morning routine. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. Is, is really executed well. And let's not, like, we can't, he has nothing to do in this movie other than scowl and sort of <laughs> convey a persona that really is not inherent to who we know and love in him these days. But Martin Freeman with the random, <laughs> you know, little cameo yeah. who would go on to not only be Bilbo Baggins of the Shire, but also Everett K. Ross of Wakanda. Sure, like, yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah. I love I love that man. He's great. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah, not to mention to many people, Dr. Watson. That's true. That's true. I was not thinking of old Sherlock there. Um, I was watching him specifically in this when he shows up, and like just watching him is like he's just scowly <laughs> and and frowny and just like you can tell. I, I I didn't look, but you know, it's almost like his um his character name is like hoodlum, you know, kind of, kind of, it's like hood, hoodlum number one, you know, oh my gosh, or something that's like funny. that. That's funny. Hooligan, hooligan. That's the word I'm hooligan. looking for. Um, yeah. I love that whole scene too. Like where they, they find their mirror of each other. It's really, yes, it's really great. It's, great. it's, really it's a great <laughs> bit of comedy and they play it so well. It's like you're one as a viewer, you have no reason to suspect that moment is coming. And sure, then two, sure. it is this perfect kind of mirror. And then three, the way they part ways, it's just this like lineup as they pass each other. They really play it well. It's awesome. Um, I only had two more in my, in my likes. Um, I don't know how many more you may have, but um, I did write down. So Philip, who is, you know, mostly just a sort of a write off character, but his sincere confession. Which one is he? Philip's oh, his oh, stepdad. Bill Nye. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, his, that's great. Yeah. When he confesses to Sean and, and has this, it, it's the first time the film pivots into authentic and surprisingly yeah. earned emotion, but does it, wonderfully and bill nye is uh you know a great actor who can sell a moment like that without any sort of pretension and it's just it's wonderful and then culminates into of course the child locks are are enabled so they That's can't great. get out yeah. and oh it's it's wonderful did you have any more likes dislikes before i mention my last one um i love the bit where nick frost takes the phone call when they're trying to get into the winchester it's just a really oh yeah two seconds it's a really yep no, that's. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, that's I thought you were. No, that's what I Ed thought says. you were going. I thought you were dropping out on me for a no, minute. It's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. No. Oh, I'm having a problem here. No, that's what um, Ed says. Ed's okay. Yes. Yes. Great. Great bit. I mean, we. It feels like we can't kind of not talk about the the basically horror music video to "Don't Stop Me Now" that's, by Queen. That's just that's my really... second one. That's it. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, great. that's just a really. It's almost like. If you're not bought in by that point, you're going to be totally out at that point. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? that's true. Like, yes, you, sure, you, sure. You, you've you got to be in and deep in to what they're doing to really just be like, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> you know, I am on board for the the rhythmic pseudo music video to Queen. Right it's now. awesome. No, it's so awesome. Um, yeah, that was my last sort of like dislike. I have a couple of things that I wrote down in Skater. I feel like particularly toward the end of the film, you know, the first half is pretty exclusively comedic in tone. But then sure. in the end, in the last half, they start to break out not only some genuinely frightening things, 
but then also some, as we've already mentioned, some genuine sentiment as well. So the first time that that really sort of like started to creep into it is when Sean spots Pete in the shower. It's still mostly funny, but like just Pete's right. sort of cold stare, uh, it starts yeah. to pivot into like, oh, that's that's genuinely creepy. But then when Philip gets attacked outside the car, I mentioned, you mm-hmm. know, when that, you know, his sort of last confession is he dies. But when he gets attacked, it's pretty harrowing. That that whole moment is not played for comedy almost at all. Right. And uh, so that that's pretty riveting. Um, I had two more, but I don't want to dance all over your scares. I don't know. I mean, when you put it that way, you can just go to town, do whatever you want. <laughs> um, just 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 do Queen as backup while you're doing it. Don't so stop um, now. um this is a like from a production standpoint and a little bit of a scare too there is such great framing you know i'm skipping over the pathos of sean losing his mother oh yeah sort Uh of that little mini arc there but such great framing when she comes back Mm, uh mm. it's it's liz and sean standing in the foreground on either side of the frame kind of I can't remember if they're fighting, but they're engaged in a sort of heated discussion. And then Penelope Wilton is the actress's name because she's also in Downton Abbey, by the mm. way. Oh. Um, in the background, just rises up. Yeah. Real, oh, kind of yeah. like stock. That's, that's really effective visual. Yeah, and you're right. That that moment, there's no comedy in it at that. Well, but here's the thing. No. No. Here's, here's what I will say. The little, like... Uh, standoff well they call it a Mexican standoff where like three people are you know kind of at each other um, what they you see I knew like it, sa- it sounds awful but that's what they call it it's called a Mexican <laughs> standoff um, that's I'm, I'm not making some like you know remark that's what, sure, that's just, what I've called just it keep going so, keep going we'll see where, we'll see if you've recovered where they have you know where everybody is pointing a weapon at each other it's this mutually oh, assured yeah, destruction yeah, yeah. Yes, thing yes yes and yes. um and so but when they all have like you know broken bottles at each other's necks and everything there are some funny lines in that exchange but then there's also an incredible amount of emotion and as you've already referenced like culminating in the mom sort of rising up in a way that is genuinely quite perilous yeah. and and frightening the makeup effect is really uh on point and the the actor is playing a very creepy ominous sort of uh intention and it's just it it's really really great i will say that it kind of as a scare first time watching it through and i remember uh when i was watching it this time around i was like yeah i don't know how they do uh when the zombies finally overrun the winchester the first time through, I never imagined they'd make it out, especially when Ed goes down, like when Ed gets bitten and everything. I didn't imagine our characters were going to make it out of this. Um, and even watching it through this time, I had completely forgotten how they get out of this scenario. I was like, they're they're like trapped behind a bar and everybody's coming at right. them. They have limited ammunition. How in the world do they get out of this? Um, so it was, yeah, it was really very harrowing. Um, I did have well, the mom thing written as well, just how gut-wrenching that whole sequence was. But yeah. I mean, I, I I don't I apologize if 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 you were heading this direction, but you've chronologically jumped it, so I'm going to throw it in and we can discuss it. But I remember thinking it was rough, and it's it's might be more rough than my memory even served when David gets taken out. Oh yeah, that is. Oh yeah, awful. That is that a is terrible. If my memory serves, that is a direct homage to a death in Dawn of the Dead. The original, oh, not right. not Snyder's, uh, Romero's Dawn of right. the Dead. 
if my memory serves. And we have not covered that, right? We just no. did Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, we just did Night of the Living Dead. Right, and we right, did right. Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Um, right, right. But uh, Jeff Hansen, our mutual friend, uh, let me borrow the 1978 Dawn of the Dead so I could see it because it's very hard to find. And um, and if my memory serves of that film, there's a direct sort of the exact same staging, only the zombies are in like an elevator, but it's the exact uh-huh. same staging and like somebody like you know, just getting eviscerated by the gut. And that was yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty rough. Well, and it's such a... Um, you know, we've referenced this, how kind of the first half hour is, is more comedic. It's more light. It's more zingy. It takes a bit of a turn once, uh, Sean and Ed finally sort of comprehend what's happening to them. Then the pathos, the pathos, come on, <laughs> uh, starts getting, starts getting more heavily deployed. Well then that you're like, uh, okay, we are truly in a horror film. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Oh, like they, they, they're yeah. playing for keeps and that is jacked up and I wish I hadn't seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty um, rough. I mean, I honestly, I forgot, I forgot Ed getting. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so that was that was a real kind of. I mean, to say shock is a strong word, but that was a real. Just, I just did not remember that whatsoever. I do, I do love his line there towards the end where he's like, "I don't mind getting eaten," and then where Sean and Liz are kind of like, "She's like, you don't want to die single, do you?" And and then off screen, Ed's like, "I take, I take it back." I would prefer to be shot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, it's so funny. That's that's what I got. So I have a I have a theme that kinda I don't I don't know what you had written down for theme, but I have something I'd I'd kinda wanna talk about. Go for um, it. this time around, and you know, we kind of experienced this well, largely with Ghostbusters. Um a couple of these entries have been a little bit surprising to us in some of the themes that jump out. But this one really surprised me. As I was watching it this time around, sort of revolving around what was kind of pinging in my spirit, I'm going to say it this way. (laughs) The category, if we will categorize this film, would be um, my theme would be maturity and changing relationships. And Mm -hmm. it really just struck me how much the film is interplaying with, you know, Sean needing to sort his life out. And then also the dynamics with his mom, the dynamics with his stepdad, the dynamics with Liz and all of the different, like Diane, you mentioned earlier, Diane and David and how Diane confesses at the, you know, towards the end, she said, I knew you were only just getting close to me to be close to Liz and I had made my peace with it. And all of these sorts of things started pinging about just the undertones in relationships and the need for those relationships to mature and in many ways to change all set against the backdrop of this zombie apocalypse. So what pinged me as a exploratory theme is this idea of, you know, basically as relationships mature, they must change. They must grow into something uh, richer and deeper, hopefully, but definitely different, or they will be stagnant and stale and dead. Still functional, but navigating in a very sort of lifeless, mindless sort of uh, sort of realm. And as I was watching the film, the thing that really sort of drove it home to me about this whole idea of like you can kind of still treasure the way things used to be, but also I- I'll tell you what it reminded me of, and this is a much more serious approach to this idea that I'm scratching at. But you remember the end of the Babadook? And spoilers uh, for the Babadook, everybody. But in the end of the Babadook, 
she brings in, like she has kind of housed the malevolent entity in her basement. And she right. she feeds it, she she cares for and tends it, but it is not occupying the same space wherein she lives, right? Well, what's striking to me about the relationship between Ed and Sean is you know as a viewer it's an endearing friendship. It's a wonderfully endearing friendship. But you also kind of get that, okay, if Ed's not going to change and grow up, Sean really does have to kind of leave that behind. Like, no, or at least at right. least has there, to mature it's, co- it's codependent. It, exactly. And so it really just, you know, with with as with resonance to a much more serious uh, film in The Babadook, kind of pinged in a similar way that like he's properly compartmentalized this this sort of effective thing where, you know, Ed uh, and, and for everybody, uh, if you haven't seen this film, so Ed gets bitten, becomes a zombie, and then at the end you find out that Ed is actually out in the shed, kind of shackled up, and he's got the PlayStation controller, and he's still just there. And every once in a while, Sean pops out to the garden shed and plays PlayStation with <laughs> what is essentially just a zombie pushing old friend of his. And well, it's, it's funny you say that because. I remember thinking that, well, to 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 get to the point that I didn't like that ending. Really? Not because it is not because it isn't cute, but because it feels like it betrays what you're trying to articulate, which is mm. you've you've frozen in amber this relationship that was already problematic. Sure. Um, as opposed to evolving it, and again, I, I, I'm not. It doesn't like overall hurt the film for me per se, but right. it does the, the the character work that got done feels a little undermined by what is an ending executed in the in the service of kind of a cute uh, way to honor the two of them. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. Okay. Um, I feel like it can't go without saying, Reed, that you reference the Babadook without sort of subtweeting the fact that listeners who have just joined us in the last year or so can uh, go back about a year and a half to fall of 2017 and find our coverage. of. The oh, that is true. Little, that is, true. you know, little, little in continuity there. Um, I'm sure Absolutely. Steve Beckley would have gotten to that, but um, <laughs> you know, don't want to leave all that to him, but no, I mean, I do think it's, it's, I think what you're describing is what the movie is after, at mm. least in large part. Yeah. Um, that it's playing with a genre piece that of zombies that has historically been used as a um sort of uh, examination of kind of societal you know decay is not the word i'm after but um are 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 the people who are living just as zombified as those who are not kind of thing right and i don't know i think i think this movie does that so well through all these little mini arcs that pretty much every character and truthfully, except for maybe the most tertiary folks, like the girl who you said his name might be Lindsay that shows up multiple times. Almost everybody is served by a little mini arc in the film. But I think I'm just trying to honor your, I'm trying to yes. And where you're at. Sure. And, sure. And maybe even, maybe even personalize it. I think for me, one of the most, staggering and amazing life lessons of almost 40 years uh 15 of which have been as a married person is 
you know, you talking about this theme of change and, and the need for it and that sort of thing of, of being able to look at this spouse and say, and recognize one for myself and for them, like you're not the same person you were 15 years ago. Right. Right. And more than that, the freedom to let them be that, you know what I mean? Right. Like, like right. That's something that's really at work in this movie too, is the fear that we, I don't know the, the fear of losing what we have, the fear of uh, the insecurity that comes from, well, if I move away from this station, I'll, I won't be me or I won't have goodness or whatever. Sure. You know? I mean, sure. I think, I think one of the most arresting lines in this film is when the, before the outbreak happens and Sean to the, what we learn as a 17 year old coworker, he says, I've got things I want to do in my life. And the kid says, when? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, Staggering. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing that, yeah, it, it really just sort of um, speaks to the the need. And I think that's something that we all struggle with in our romantic relationships, but also in our familial relationships and our friendships and everything is that. In our podcast in our, relationships. Yes, you know, exactly. I mean. um, you are the one who has, I don't know what the source of it is, but you're the one who has referenced this to me, oftentimes uh, in the context and conversation of marriage where you say, you know, you will have in a, you know, 50 plus year marriage, you will have at least five different marriages. Well, well no, no, no. no? <laughs> I applaud the effort. You're butchering well, oh, it. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the 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 sort of takeaway is um, this is a therapist who once told me that uh, most people have more than one marriage in their lifetime often to the same person. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's a more yes. concise way to, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. To, <laughs> as opposed to like five marriages and 50 or whatever. Right, 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 I mean, right, the, right, the yeah. idea is not that far afield of what you were saying. But, sure. but the idea being you change as a person, the person that you're in the relationship with, whether that's marriage, whether that's friendship, whether that's sure. partnership, whether that's um, you know family relationship, they change as well. What matters to me at the age that I'm at uh, is not what mattered to me when I was in my 20s. And what matters to me now is probably not what will matter to me when I'm 50. And so what's interesting is the film starts with this, you know, like you said, this, uh, now you talked about it in context of the ending of the film, but that frozen in amber idea, I would argue that's where they start is just sort of sure. stuck and frozen in amber. And then admittedly, Ed, who somewhat sacrificially and somewhat perhaps even nobly gives himself up uh, and sort of, you know, takes the the bites and punches, then Sean is able to sort of move past it. But what I what I liked about it is I didn't consider Ed being in the shed to be a uh, you know like a shr uh, shrine is probably the more appropriate word. But I didn't consider him to be stuck in the past. It's like no, that's it's it's a nostalgia thing. There's a there's a revisiting that I can do because he's spending his life with Liz. He and Liz are right, moving right, right. forward in their relationship. They're moving forward in what they want to do together and with each other and and you know developing that family. And so, but then he does still have this sort of corner of his heart where he fondly remembers this, even acknowledging that that part of his friendship is quite literally dead. It's literally dead. Right, right. Um, and I don't know, this time around, that struck me as as hopeful and struck me as something, you know, like that's something that I would even, and, 
you know, we don't have a ton of time to go into something like this, but I think even, you know, our walk of faith, uh, our relationship with the Lord, our relationship as we've talked about with each other, you know, like it has to mature. It has to progress. It has to, um, I had, and maybe this was sourced somewhere else. I remember sort of coming up with this as a attempt to be cutesy or clever, but, um, I said, the only things that don't change are either divine or dead. And I do feel like if we are going to have a vibrant, living, active relationship with anybody in our world or with the Lord, we have to accept that it is going to change as time moves on. It's going to look and feel different. It's going to carry with it certain different revelations and different dynamics. And if we are insistent that it stay the same and not change, then essentially we are condemning it to death versus allowing the understanding that it can and and must mature and change and progress. It's interesting. I was just, I know we need to wind down, but I was uh, on a recent Bible for Normal People episode, podcast episode, Richard Rohr is re, re-featured as a guest on it. And he has this little aside that's relative to what you just said, uh, where the notion of mystery comes up. And he he references uh, the phrasing that he uses called the Christ mystery. Mm. And and he sort of gets out in front of would-be critics uh, who might say, you know, well, is it all just kind of unknowable, unknowability? Yeah. And he he implements this really deft turn of phrase that I would uh, – you're kind of scratching at. Um, and he says, to him, mystery isn't unknowing, but it is – I think if I'm getting this right, I, I wasn't planning to talk about it. He basically refers to it as infam- infinite knowability uh, mm. or or en- endless knowability. Like mm. you will continue to know. Right. And then right. you'll continue to know more. Mm. And then you'll know more. You know what I mean? Like it's right. like mystery isn't so much intentional shrouding as in unending knowability. Right. And, and that, that was right. a really interesting sort of subversion of that that you'll never plumb uh, that i really appreciated yeah that you'll never plumb the depths of that relationship right. it'll never be yes. compartmentalized or controlled or, or exhausted exhaust- yeah. yeah exhausted it'll never be um and uh i mean i don't know i think i think uh i think that's what Shaun of the dead told me i think that's i kind of i kind of like that um did you have anything more you wanted to to add or i mean it, it would it would sort of pivot us a whole different uh, uh, zombie trail here, but one of the and and the movie doesn't live with or doesn't rest here long, so it, it it's a bit of mm. uh, overlaying something that that ultimately isn't the sum total of the movie. But that whole first half hour, what I kind of wrote down was the nature of our obliviousness while the dead are dying are all around us. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And I just think there's a lot, you know, a lot to be examined there, but. Again, I, I'm sort of content and happy with uh, uh, unending knowability as our last word. Nice, unending or pair of words. Sure, sure. Well, do you want to do you want to take old Shaun of the Dead to the fog meter? To the fog meter. Um, so we rank every film in our specific metric of fear and God. We rank the scares. We rank the substance. Um, in the level of fear for Shaun of the Dead, man, I I, I gotta say, some of those sequences in the last third are pretty harrowing. Uh, I'm gonna land at a solid seven for Shaun of the Dead. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. pretty pretty high. I mean, I think part of what makes the scare factor succeed here 
is how well implemented the stakes are for these characters and the right, dynamics right. between them. So I don't know that I would necessarily go seven, but I will happily sidle up next to you with a six. Nice. Um, as far as the God factor in terms of substance, like there's a lot at work here. And, sure. Sure. Um, I think in terms of just the richness of character dynamics yielding positive return, uh, I'm, I'm pro I, I honestly, I think for me in the safe zone right now would be to stick with a six. So I'm going to go six down the line. Okay. Um, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm going to stick with my number as well. I'm going to go seven for, substance uh the the god meter are we are we betraying our th- our own theme right now by never changing like we just we stay uh, so, i don't know that's well for the moment we'll, we'll revisit this next week and see <laughs> where we're at exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah i think uh it it does and those those sort of numbers like uh, above average feels yes. right you know um and and i uh you know that lands us at a 6.5 on the fog meter for Shaun of the Dead, which I think is a very strong showing. But no, I, I do feel like it is. It's, a, it's, it's an above average, it's above average and possibly even exemplary at everything it's trying to do. It really is. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel confident with that. Do we even need to ask each other the, the final question? I think listeners should know by now how we feel about whether well, or not we would recommend this film. I mean, I would personally wholeheartedly uh, recommend Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead. Un, un, I could theoretically sit down and watch it again right now. Uh, That's how much I enjoyed this Likewise, movie. likewise. If you're at all a horror fan and have not, or if you're at all a comedy fan, even if you're not that into the horror stuff, there is some scary stuff towards the end, but I think the comedy well uh, earns your price of admission even if you're not that fond of the horror elements um so yeah highly highly recommending Shaun of the dead big thumbs up from the fear of god nathan read funny or die number five is that where we're at? Is I can't keep, who can who can keep track anymore we got a contest going oh we got my a gosh. comedy series going we got tv guideposts going things are happening at the fear of god my friend and i'm I am just happy to be along for the ride. So why don't you tell us, tell everybody where we're going next? Reed, I want to report with great fanfare and enthusiasm um, <laughs> that we're going to next week put that thing back where it came from. <laughs> or so help me, we are going to be discussing Pixar's Monsters Inc. and I am thrilled about this fact. Never, awesome. ever, ever two and a half years ago did I think the moment would come where on the show we would, <laughs> without really even working too hard to make it fit where we're at, be able to cover Monsters Inc. That's and so I am awesome. I am here for it. I'm thrilled. I'm very excited. Me, Sully, Mike Wazowski, you, Boo, like Randall, Mr. Waternoose. I mean, I'm 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 ready. That's Let's awesome. Let's do it now. <laughs> no, 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 no. We gotta wait. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta wait. wait. We gotta wait. So next week, check out Monsters Inc. And Nathan, thank you so much for having this. You're welcome, you're, brother. You're the Sean to my Ed, to my bumbling zombiness, and I appreciate it. No problem. And everyone, please, and and last bit of business, write your review, post it, email it to us, post and tag us to your feed with some anecdote, some story, some favorite episode, whatever you want. Accrue those entries, accrue those points so that you can uh, uh, qualify to win that $100 Voodoo gift certificate. Um, but yes, Reed, thank you. Listeners, thank you. Everyone, Edgar Wright, thank you because 
without you, we wouldn't be right here in this moment <laughs> talking about this movie. Absolutely. So, yes, guys, we will see you next week for Funny or Die number six. Bye, everybody. The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God. You can like and follow us on Facebook, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. You can follow us on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast, or go to morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed by Lee Wright and Reed Lackey, and our podcast art was crafted by Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com. Merchandise for the show can now be found at tpublic.com. Just search for The Fear of God Podcast, all one word. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Collision course.